This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. All right, Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus is our guest here on Take Command. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. All right, when you put together, like obviously you're you're for those that don't know, PFF's main draft guy. Like you that the draft is is your area. You obviously uh, look at some of the pro stuff. You have to to know teams' needs, all that kind of stuff. But like the draft and watching tape and looking at the analytics, that is, that is your deal. So as you start to put together your mock drafts, how much of it for you, because everyone does these a little bit differently, is talking to teams, trying to get intel using that versus you putting yourself in the position of the team's GM or head decision maker and saying, this is what I would do if I was that team moving forward in the draft. I'm flattered that you think I have enough connections to get out to 32 teams <laughs> and get all this intel, but no, it, it's mostly just putting my myself in their shoes, their draft track records, what they need on the roster, and then saying who kind of fits that, who, who's the guy that really makes the most sense there. So it, it's me on the outside. Now, sometimes closer to the draft, I do hear things and do have insight, but at this point in time, uh, no one's tipping their hand one way or other. Yeah, we none of us have been to Prime Forty Seven in India, so we none Seriously, of us have been. Exactly. Yeah. This week, that's what I'm. That's doing where here. it's all coming, man. Um, so the thing I want to ask you about is like one thing that I find relatively easy in draft evaluation is evaluating position by position. So I'm, if I'm evaluating tackles, you can kind of fall into like a pretty consistent order. The thing that gets tough, and I think fans need to understand this, is evaluating across positions. So how do you? I know I've heard people use the term like buckets or tiers. How do you kind of quantify those and then apply that information to your mock draft? Yeah, you have to have a strong kind of historical foundation, right? Of like where guys should be valued. And so you put grades on um, based off of that. You can't just, and like you said, it is kind of easy. It's easier to stack easier. a position and rank it rather than put that position onto a board with every other position in the NFL and say, where um, should we attack? And I think some of that, I take into account, you know, kind of historical uh, hit rates and, and like where you want to be drafting guys with edge rushers, uh, wide receivers. Like those are positions that the early edge rushers, especially you won't find a lot of elite edge rushers that weren't drafted in the first round. It's just fact of life. That's how the position goes. You won't find a lot of elite wide receivers that weren't top 75 picks. It's a position that you can identify. The NFL is good at identifying those mm. guys, whereas corners can fall a lot more tight ends can fall a lot more. There's positions where you can find talent uh, outside of later. So that that's a factor as well, but I do think you just have to have a strong foundation and a strong belief of, you know, what this talent looks like in relation to what talent should look like across, you know, the past five to 10 years. Um, that's if you don't have that, you're really stuck in terms of evaluation standpoint. And I do think also the sort of positional, um, what I was going back to about just like the positional value and what we talked about with the contracts 
and how much that impacts has to play a factor as well that if you draft a tight end at the top five, he's a top 10 paid tight end in the NFL day one. If you draft a defensive end in the top five, he's making half of what a top 10 defensive end makes. So there's that that has to factor in as well. So long story short, it's tough. There is no like, (laughs) I don't have a formula or whatever. PFF hasn't spit one out yet to me to really do that, but it's just, you just have to have that foundation in place. So it's just kind of like your gut. I don't want to say gut because that's an oversimplification, but is it a lot of just kind of like Tyree Wilson compared to Christian Gonzalez and who I think is going to be a better pro long-term or is it, or is there something else going on there? Like that, that you're using as a tool? Yeah. You put, you put the grade on in kind of a vacuum, you know, Tyree yeah. Wilson, I think I ended up with just with the top 10 grade yeah. on just based off his tape. And then I also ended up with top 10 grade on Christian Gonzalez. And then at that point you're like, okay, I have two top 10 grades. Um, <laughs> and then you're kind of just like, which one would I rather have for that at that point? Then you go head to head. I see. But yeah, I see. you still stack up all my grades after I did my evals. And then I went from there and broke ties, just kind of how I felt <laughs> I wanted to break. Yeah. Ties. And I think that's, I think that's an important thing that fans need to understand is that there is, it's not like this, scientific thing like you have things about players that you like and i have things about players that i like and we can lead to like drastic departures on players because it is there's no like there's no there's no like cheat sheet there's no like mathematical formula for this and i think that's so important because you go to the combine or wherever you're going you go to the senior bowl and people will give you very like vastly different opinions on the same guy which is always kind of crazy. like kyle van o- kyle van Oy, is that the kid's name from iowa is that his name? Oh, like, no, uh, Lucas Van Ness. Lucas Van Ness. Yeah. Thank you. Kyle like, Van Noy's former Patriot, yeah, right? Former Patriot, yeah. right? And he's playing where? I was like, man. I've heard of him. But yeah, but what I'm saying is like, you know, I don't really like him, but now he's going to be a top 10 pick. So it's just so mm-hmm. interesting, the subjective nature of this whole process. Yeah. And it's, and the other thing is like on the outside, I'm kind of projecting to every scheme in the NFL, right? I, I, I'm yeah. just like assuming he goes to a spot that is going to take advantage of whatever skill set he has. Whereas if you're with the team and it's like, say, you know, you play ton of off zone and I'm, I got Devin Witherspoon, CB1, he's a press man corner. Uh, you're not going to draft Devin Witherspoon as your top corner. Like it's going to look vastly different depending on what you want to do offensively and defensively. Your board. Where do you think teams miss the most on that kind of stuff? Like, is it just a bad evaluation of skill sets of application to their scheme? Like where, where do teams make mo- the most common mistakes? I think they swing for the fences a little too much. In the I was going to say, God, yeah. There, there's, there's, there's this belief that a top five pick has to have all pro upside or a top 10 pick has to have this quote-unquote mythical ability to turn into the best player at their position in the NFL. And then they just pass up layups more yeah. often than not. They pass up guys who are just damn good football players who will – you know, maybe aren't going to turn into all pros, maybe aren't going to be that, but can be consistently quality stars on your roster. And that's that's a quick way to kind of tank yourself because you when you draft those guys highly, top 10, 15, you shoehorn them into your roster. You're saying for the next three years, there are starters at minimum. And you force it and then you don't address that need or you don't address that position in free agency. You aren't willing to replace them. If he's not the best player on your field, you're still starting him, even if the backup's better because he has to get the reps. And then all of a sudden you're three years down the line saying, why didn't this guy turn into, you know, has still hasn't turned into a better player and you're at a crossroads because it's hampering your roster. I think that's the biggest thing mistake teams will make is that they chase that instead of just drafting a guy who, you know, can step in and play for you a yeah. lot more often than not. They know the guy is not going to suck at the NFL level, which still has value. So 
Uh, I think that's one of the biggest things is that teams chase a little too much and buy into that this first rounder has to be something special. Whereas it can just be a good starter on your roster because if you do that first, second, third round, get a good guy, a guy who can actually start for stack four years of that, you have one of the best rosters in the NFL. It's crazy. I'm so glad you brought that up because I like, it's so funny when you go through like, even, you know, like I don't get lists. I kind of go off what PFF puts out. There's a whole bunch of other services. You go through those players mm -hmm. and you can immediately see when you turn on the film, this guy's a projection guy, right? This guy, the film doesn't necessarily support that. And like, I look at what Washington did last year and it was not an exciting draft. You know, they draft Jahan Dotson, Dotson in the first round, you know, Fidari Mathis in the second, they got Brian Robson. But what they did do is they just said, these guys are all capable of being starters in the NFL. And instead of kind of this grade, it was more binary. It was like, yes, no. Like, can they contribute? Can they play? And I think it leads, you know, quite frankly, to a more consistent result. Maybe you don't get the high upside of the pick, but yeah, I, I think I'm really glad you brought that up. Yeah, because the year prior, Jamin Davis was a pure. Yes, like that was right. projection to the T. And it's like, yeah. you're kind of paying the price for it the last two years because, yeah. because of that. Absolutely. Yeah. He's, yeah. Um, which is interesting too, because going back before Jamin, like, and then crossing back into when Kyle Smith was here running the draft room, like that was their thing in the first round. Um, I mean, even going back to like Sheriff, like it was an upside play because you thought he'd project out to tackle and all those kinds of things. And obviously he turned into an exceptional guard. It's a little rich for the reasons you were talking about earlier, salary cap wise, uh, to take a guard when they did. And that's why they don't have him anymore. Uh, but like they took a bunch of dudes who could play. Um, you know, and, and it, their biggest upside swing was Chase Young, who, uh, obviously injury is, uh, playing a role in his career in a major way, but like you chase, wasn't going to bust like in going back to like a comparison, like Jadeveon Clowney, like Jadeveon Clowney never lived up to being the number one overall pick and the hype. And obviously going back to the one play in the, against South Carolina <laughs> that obviously took him to a mythical creature almost, but it's not like he's been a bad NFL player. He's been a good NFL player for a decade. He just hasn't been yes. great. And like when right. that's your floor, that's that's obviously a pretty good way to build a roster. Yeah. And compare that to, I guess, last year at the top of the draft was probably the biggest example of that. You got Trayvon Walker versus <laughs> Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah. One of the highest floor defensive ends versus one of the highest ceiling boom robust defensive yeah. ends. And I think Jaguars year one. I don't think it was close. Aiden was the better player, the more impactful player. So we'll see how that goes. Obviously, it's something to track as it goes on. But, like, the Lions are already happy as hell. The Jaguars are still like, what do we got? You know, the Jaguars yeah. are still in that position where they could be two years from now screwed, not getting any impact from a guy like that. Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your debt your weekly source for all things commanders right on time your time a list of household chores do them without missing a beat and listen while you work in the car turn mundane drives into memorable moments with podcasts you can maximize productivity and minimize fomo we're on demand so we fit perfectly into your schedule follow take command in the odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts yeah God, that play he made against the Commanders in Week One, though he's that he's flash, but like it's that you know, was freaky. You're like, oh, that's that's why you might turn into a bust because you sure. are awesome and got super intriguing, but maybe not actually <laughs> be good at football. His best plays are still uncovered, which is wild. But. It's crazy, yeah. He like, but that, in college though, like I mean, you watch the film. Like his best plays in college were like the coverage stuff, right? He's, he's like running with a running back. The this, yeah, yeah, and you're like, oh god, like look at this athlete, like that's incredible. Um, so the thing. I, I, I have had to, to take that. He should play goal line cornerback. 
on like better tight ends <laughs> because who's going to get off a 6'5", 275 guy with like 36 inch arms and press? Yeah, yeah Logan, would you have wanted to see that? Teach him the goal line? Press. I would, well, I would, some guys like some of the guys who are really long and lanky, like um, you can get off because they don't have a lot of sh- play strength and they don't move well. But he is like the antithesis of that. He plays good with his length and he moves his feet really well. And so I think that like that makes perfect sense to me because he is like a very <laughs> unique skill set. Like you don't see yeah. guys do that very often. Um, and then kind of like kind of turning toward the commanders here a little bit with our conversation. Um, obviously, they're picking at 16. Um how would you, if you're them, based on the strengths and weaknesses of this draft, kind of allocate your resources? They're picking the first round. I think they're picking at 48. They got mm-hmm. a third round pick in the in the exchange with the sheriff thing. Um, based on the draft strengths, how would you kind of roll through those picks? I think I'm looking tackle round one, just because I think while it's somewhat of a deep tackle class. I think it's going to push up a lot of guys who are more late day two guys into early day two. I think oh. you're going to get like the the Matthew Bergerons of the world, the Darnell Wrights of the world. I think they're going to go earlier than probably I would like them to go. Whereas if you can get one of those top three, so like a Broderick Jones from Georgia, uh, Peter Skronsky from Northwestern, Paris Johnson from Ohio State. Now, I, I'm not sure they will fall to them, but one of those top three falls to them. I think you're running in that card and taking it and just saying, you know, we got yeah. one on the top off the line, but we got a guy we can develop. Um, because the other probably biggest thing on this roster cornerback is probably the deepest position in the running for deepest position in the draft class, whether it's corner, tight end, running back, all three of those positions are loaded in this year's mm-hmm. class. So the guys you can get in the second round at that position or should be able to get in the second round of that position should be plug and play starters. I, I think mm-hmm. it's a very deep class. and I like a lot of the guys into day two. So you that's name, probably how names I names for day, those day two guys that you like. Um, I really like Tyreek Stevenson from Miami. Miami. Uh, yeah. I really like Clark Phillips from Utah. He's just undersized. He's not going to go highly because of that, but I think he's a damn good football player. Um, I'm trying to think of who else is there. What about the two? Carolina guys? The South Carolina. There's uh, Cam Cam Smith. Is Cam right? Smith. I like in that range. Um, I, I think he's getting a little. I don't like. I don't think he's going to be a first rounder. I think he's going to go to the combine and not test great. But well, I the second, the second round guy, right? The second round guy, definitely in there. Him and Darius Rush, are the two. Darius Rush probably more of like the boomer bust guy. I, yeah. I, I hearken them back to kind of like Washington's cornerback deal from last year, where McDuffie, very solid, very high floor, going to be a good NFL player. Kyler Gordon, you don't know. I mean, he's got yeah. all the tools, but you don't know. I think that's kind of how this South Carolina duo looks. Darius Rush, tools are all there, but you don't know. Just got burned a lot in college. So those two, um, very handsy too. Yeah, yeah, seems, I agree. Seems relevant. <laughs> I, I like uh, Emmanuel Forbes in that range too. The Mississippi State cornerback, one of the best. Ball, oh, some of the best balls. Fred Smoot is a former Georgia Bulldog, or not mm-hmm. Mississippi State Bulldog, and is a Forbes guy like to his core. And if if they don't draft Forbes, it's going to be a, a riot by him at the studio. So hopefully, yeah, I, that I, and that one makes a ton of sense because he is like. Off. He's a good football player, man. He's just, yeah, he's just ball skills for days. I mean, he finds the football. He's got insane explosion. I think in high school, he had like a 44 inch vertical and like Dang. on tape, you're just like, this guy can accelerate. So, yeah. yeah, if he makes it there to you in the second round, that's probably like a dream scenario. <laughs> Uh, first thing, Logan, I didn't know you had an inner Jay Gruden, but it just came out. Hey, man, that's just a good football player. Just a good football. But like, that's that's exactly. the thing that gets you. It's like when you watch film and you're like, everyone's like, oh, this guy's not really. He's a borderline first, second. I'm like, I don't give a 
darn really like if he's available at, at 48 I'm jumping on that because he's yeah. good at football and he's gonna and he's gonna be a good football player and so I think that's the thing we were, you were alluded to earlier it's like there's this 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 it's more binary than people think so I want to ask you about the tackles just a quick follow-up there well right? hold on can I follow up on corner yeah, real quick follow um, up on and, then, and then we'll get to back to tackle because Washington's needs are kind of interesting uh, in that like they definitely need one, but where is, is up for debate. There's some thought that there, the Washington could benefit from kicking Kendall Fuller back inside. Uh, were you successful with them a couple years ago? Uh, he's been playing outside ever since he got traded to Kansas City pretty much. Um, maybe even like, I don't know, kind of rotating him in with, they've got some positional versatile safeties that, you know, whatever interchange they, they have there. So as you break down this class, most guys that are coming out obviously played outside in college because they were the best mm-hmm. player on their team. So how do you think about projecting someone potentially inside if Washington were to be looking for a guy with Fuller on one side, St. Just on the other, and now all of a sudden the need is at nickel? I really like this uh, slot class also. And a lot of them are like technically safeties or maybe like grouped with the safeties, but like Brian branch from Alabama is the second rated right defensive back on the board. But he's, have to, they'd have to pick him at 16 probably. Right? Yeah. Like he would be the guy you pick yeah. at 16. He's not falling to the second round, but like yeah. that's a guy where he falls into the bucket. We were just talking about just like, that's, he's going to be good. Like yeah, right, I, I have right. no doubt about Brian branch being a good football player at the NFL. He was, elite in Nick Saban scheme started for three years. It's like, that's, that's a plug and play guy. Yeah. Uh, I don't care what he tests. He just is. And Antonio Johnson from Texas A&M is in that similar bucket in a little bit longer, more explosive slot corner. Um, so those are two guys who are probably like safeties turn slots. I'm trying to think of corners, turn slots, Clark Phillips, who I just mentioned from Utah is probably going to move inside. It's not big enough mm-hmm. uh, for a lot of teams to play outside. Travis Hodges Tomlinson from TCU who will probably blow up the combine. He's a freak athlete, and, but he's only, you know, 5'9", five, 5'8". Five, He'll probably play inside. So there, there's a handful of guys I really like in this slot corner class that outside of branch, you can maybe get with that 48 pick. Yeah, and I think it's interesting, like, with Nichols, because everyone, like, says, oh, it's got to be a small guy. But I feel like now with the way the game's going, they got to be really good tacklers. they got to fit yes. the run. So it's like it's I, – I personally think it's way harder to find a really good nickel, like, slot guy as opposed to getting these guys, like you said, Greg, who've played outside their whole career in college. Yeah, the Kyle Hamilton sort of mold is I think yeah. what we're going to see the nickel turn into, just because that's so valuable against the run. You don't have to you don't have to match heavier personnel. You don't have to change. You don't have to go into three linebackers. You could just stay two linebackers, keep a guy like Kyle Hamilton who's, you know, 220. He's never going to be mistaken for a linebacker, but he can do some of the things that a linebacker can do, but they cover. So I think that's – him, Isaiah Simmons, like that's the way, that's the mold you're looking for, which which is like Antonio Johnson, um, which is like JL Skinner in this draft class, the boys yeah. say it's safety, even if I'm like, put him so, a so few from tiers a, behind that. Yeah, he's Positional not that value. <laughs> so I mean, from, he's, he's so high cut, it like doesn't, you know, yeah, we'll yeah. talk about that more later. Anyway, go ahead. From a positional value standpoint, then, would you take Branch at 16? Or is that is that a not yes. good use of the pick for Washington? Nothing. Like no, specific to Washington. We're just saying the slot's super valuable. Like the yeah. slot is, it's becoming a position that if you have a guy there, that they are, you know, the Rams move Jalen Ramsey into the slot because like what, what yeah. a corner who you would never think, I, I guess, I mean, he did that at Florida State some, but like that you would never say, uh, you know, previously a decade ago, you would never put a high end shutdown type of outside corner inside. You would never do that. It's just unthinkable. But now it's so important, so invaluable in terms of, to keep these light boxes, to keep numbers game in your advantage, to have a guy who can rely on in the slot that I think it's matching the value of outside corner to have 
a good player. So I got a really quick question about this kind of nickel hybrid position. You know, you mentioned Kyle Hamilton, a guy that I liked when I watched him was a kid from Sacramento State who's kind of like Marty Mapu. Have you watched him at all? Yeah. I mean, I only watch him at the Senior Bowl. I've not watched Sac State tape yet. Okay. All right. Well, then <laughs> he's a guy that I would like, I think, you know, kind of fits in that position you're talking about. Probably like mm-hmm. linebacker slash that I think, again, for Washington fans, like Cam Curl has been that role, you know, but he has some more position flexibility, like as the post player. So if you get a guy in the box that can do some stuff, long, rangy, those are that's another way they could handle this nickel position as opposed to a pure cover nickel, I guess is what we're saying. Yeah, and I, everyone wants, you know, the, the sort of smaller linebackers everyone's sort of gravitated towards in recent years. But I, I think those are almost out. Like, you know, linebackers have to fit the run nowadays, like at a high level. But that position is where those smaller linebackers are kind of trending towards. Mm, those guys right. who are these off-ball guys in college – can move to that slot role. Yeah. And just to close the loop on corner, the Logan, and then you pick up your question with tackle. We don't need yeah. to respond to this just to acknowledge, like they also very well are looking out or could be looking outside to replace Kendall. Um, what, you know, even if that replacement is ultimately a year away. So um, obviously I would, I would suggest to any Washington fan reading Mike or anybody else's stuff, like look at all the corners because that is definitely going to be on the table for them. Uh, and plus, especially with St. Juice recent injury history, these two years, like, that guy's probably going to play some this year. So that's that. there's the corner discussion. Well, and also just to kind of like bring that full circle, like I'm sure I think you guys probably have your Christian Gonzalez is number one. Your um, Witherspoon is probably Witherspoon one, Gonzalez two. Is that right yeah, for your guys, Big great. Board? Yeah. And then the next guy is Joey Porter Jr., who again would be the outside corner at 16. Is that my – and I'm, I'm not putting words in your mouth there, Mike, right? He is very much a press right that that one's uh, i'm not sure the fit is necessarily quite as yeah comparatively whereas i'm trying to think of who the next cornerback deontay banks the maryland corner because i think maybe more in the mold of what the washington commanders want to do defensively and that guy's not going to be he'll be a fringe first round pick if i'm if i don't i bet he goes in the first round i bet he's going to test really well here and go in the first round i would if i had to gun to my head right now